Welcome to episode 92 of Motorific. Thank you again for waiting for us. We really appreciate it. We are back and Christy's back from vacation and we're going to talk about some fun videos and some industry things and I don't know. We're just going to get caught up and... Uh, it's the kitchen sink episode. Yeah, it might be a kitchen sink. And then hopefully keep you entertained for about 50 minutes. <laughs> Maybe give or take a few minutes. So, I don't know. What don't do forget we... to set the alarm. Let's do... <laughs> um, well, I might have to. Let's do some... Uh... I want to do some kind of industry news things and then kind of chit-chat about some of the random things going on. Um, before we dive into your vacation... Yeah. Yeah. Well, as far as industry stuff, um, Zero Motorcycles is having a recall on some of its electrics uh, for anti-lock braking issues. So uh, basically from the Zero S, DS, and FXS model lineup, you might be getting a little piece of paper in the mail that says to stop by your Zero dealership. If you haven't, um, basically give uh, give zero a call but realize that they're not going to start sending notices out until the 20th um that's in a couple of days so there's that uh i'm not looking at it currently but i did get a, a press release from dainese that said that they are officially partnering up with moto america so it's nice to know that uh, moto america has taken on a gear uh, partner so hopefully um, that will give some of the participants um, some options if they didn't already have some good ones to choose from with all the leathers on the market or is it maybe they're going to make the Moto America swag so when you buy a Moto America hoodie it's made by Dainese maybe something like that um, I think it's more of a protective partner oh here I'm going to google uh, here we go for the third consecutive year, Dainese is joining the Moto America series as its official safety partner. There we go. Safety. Safety. Let's see. They will continue to serve as members of the Moto America Safety Council to maximize rider safety and educate motorcycle enthusiasts. That's cool. Um, I mean, it'd be fun, I think, if they made the swag. They made mm -hmm. the, the hoodies and the t-shirts and, you know, that's the stuff. Um I'm hoping to kill, or I'm hoping to, to kill. I'm hoping to get some, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Hoping to get some really cool Coda uh, swag at MotoGP in a month, T-minus, yes. 32 we need days. To start, we need to start advertising wait, wait. that. So Joanne's got a, 31 Joanne's days. going. Joanne's going. Yep, 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 and yep. if anyone out there is heading to Circuit of the Americas for oh. the American race round for MotoGP, Please find our lovely gear chick out there. Oh, and, and, eh, tie into Moto America. Moto America is going to have three temporary pop-ups at uh, Coda, uh, Mazda, uh, sorry, Laguna Seca, and Sonoma Raceway. So actually, at MotoGP, they will have a little store to promote Moto America. Cool. That's kind of fun. So good to check out both. Um, Awesome. I'm so excited. So 31 days, we get on a plane. And I'm pretty sure, but I think uh, Jason's going back to do trackside announcing for uh, for this race round as well. So Which if Jason? you, Pridmore. So oh. if you bring uh, your phone, your, your iPhone, you have a smartphone and you have some headphones, you can hear trackside commentary, as you know, if you record oh. the Moto America or the if you record the MotoGP race on the television uh, through, I think, BN Sports or whatever sport network is mm -hmm. is hosting Moto America, um, you will get the the British commentators. But if you are actually at the track, you don't really hear that. They don't, you know. I think there's probably a time differential. So. Um, Jason Pridmore provides trackside announcing. Oh, so yeah, yeah. yeah. You are only privy, I believe, to that announcing by being at the track. Otherwise, everyone else will be picking up the uh, 
the Markov. Uh, <laughs> Ducati. That's my favorite. Yeah. Ducati. <laughs> yeah, just the emphasis Ducati. on Marquez always throws me for a chuckle. Marquez. Yeah, it's great. I, I, Eurosport, listening to the announcements is part of the excitement and experience of watching MotoGP with the uh, Dorna app or through MotoGP.com. It's, that's part of the fun, I find, because watching MotoGP racing live here and then listening to, say, Colin or Scott Russell, it just doesn't have the same flavor to hear the Ducati and the I don't know. They're just a little more dramatic when they're, well, you know, describing things. It's fun. Definitely change it up and <laughs> give Jason a chance one of those days you're out there because I think he'll probably do all two or three days that they do when they're doing testing as well. Cool. Well, we're going to be there early, so I'm hoping to get to the track to watch that. And was Evan going? We're going together. This is the <gasps> first time in, I don't remember, really? I honestly don't remember the last time we took a f vacation together on a, like not a motorcycle one, but just a regular vacation, like flying somewhere together. It's been a few years because we always take separate vacations these days um, mm -hmm. off the bikes. So yes, uh, we're going together. I'm forcing him. Yay. We're going to share an Airbnb. Yeah, we're gonna. Well, I hope you're gonna share a place. <laughs> we're gonna. <laughs> well, he's gonna come with me. Yes. So I'm excited. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So yeah, please, uh, you know, message me on Facebook or Instagram, or um, Twitter or wherever. If you're gonna be around, we'll say hi, take some selfies, take some photos, to chat. But we'll just be wandering the track. Uh, we're going with a couple friends, so. Who knows where I'll be? I'm going to be, I'm hoping to hit up different corners each day just to get a different view, you know, just hopefully go up also into the cool, whatever it's called. I don't know what it's called. The tower. I was going to say, pay the extra money to go oh, yeah. up there because yeah, I did yeah. not, I have not been up there yet. Oh yeah. I definitely want to, yeah. I'll pay the 20 bucks or whatever, 30 bucks yeah, to get up the there for sure. I just hope it's, I hope it doesn't have like a clear platform where you can see below you like i hope not because i'm probably gonna pee my pants if, if they do like i don't think i'll do very well but i don't think so i want to say don't the look platform down. look yeah. out don't look down yeah i want to say um <laughs> the platform's regular at least from the photos my friends have posted that they're uh it's set up pretty uh pretty well and a lot of people can be up there i don't think it's like a four-person platform i think like a few dozen people can be up there anytime or something i don't yeah, know yeah yeah i'm excited totally want to go up there <laughs> the view the vision in my head of you saying oh my gosh what about if it's clear glass there is a video and i and i can't remember where it was but i want to say it's somewhere in asia where they showed a bunch of clips of people oh. going out on this really pretty like see-through skywalk and these guys yes. are terrified <laughs> like, um yeah they're on their hands and knees <laughs> yes and i thought that was the grand canyon no it wait could is that be. Different? oh wait but there are a couple no oh so one of them uh, they're talking about on the new i'm just googling on my ipad the skywalk oh my god it hugs a mountain holy crap this is yeah. terrible i mean wow is it's it on a, the cliff. is it in asia it's in China. It's on Tianmen yeah, Mountain. Wow. So you're on yeah. the cliff's edge. That is, yeah, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> you should see the oh my outtakes God. of the people who <laughs> not have a only, change of heart when they're up there. <laughs> dude, not only is there a cliffside viewing sci skywalk that's glass, there's a bridge that is glass <laughs> floor or clear floor. So... You cross this bridge, it's 1,410 feet long, 6 meters wide, and hovers over a 300-meter vertical drop. Oh, my God. It's about God. a 1,000 feet. Oh <laughs> a 1,000-foot drop. Oh, my I God. I might have. To be honest, oh I don't really no. have fear of heights issues, but I might have a little bit of a problem with that even. See, I... <sighs> I guess I do. I guess I do over a certain point. So, it, for me... I start to get antsy at the top of a ladder. Mm -hmm. So if I have to go up 
to the very top of one, that's where I want to pee my pants. I don't <laughs> mind getting up like on a stool, a footstool, you know, or a table or a counter. But if I have to climb to the top of a standard ladder, I don't like that. And I don't want to go higher than that either. It just well, terrifies I, me. I really don't like it if no one's holding the ladder for me. <laughs> well, that too. That's but, pretty oh. much like my life and home improvement. But as long as I can't see it, I mean, I've been up in like, you know, uh, really high buildings or whatever. And I don't care about that. But if I'm out on a balcony or something, then uh, yeah, I'll get pretty antsy. But you know what I mean? I'm not like that yeah. kind of afraid of heights, just more like exposed heights. So yeah. A How are you away. riding over bridges? Yeah, well, I'm moving. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not standing there. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Stand. What about what about bridges that are a little shaky? <laughs> I'm going fast. Well, I'm trying to get over it. I'm trying to get over. It. I'm trying to get past the bridge as quickly as possible. See so, I don't me know. when I'm riding <laughs> over a bridge that's like rickety and not like great. I'm looking like down because I'm looking in front of me to make sure that I'm tracking properly where and and probably going slow in the process whereas Joanne's just taking the right approach throttle out. <laughs> just get me the hell out of here. Well, I'm going to send you a link to this article with all these like 10 different yeah. bridges and views. Oh my god, that's terrifying. I Oh my god. Okay, so look in that photo because there's one where the platform just extends off the edge of the cliff like 10 feet and then stops. Oh, my God. It's like yeah, a pier. We'll be posting that just so you guys can get an <laughs> idea of why Joanne is freaking out. Well, I've seen some but... crazy photos, too, of people riding in the, what, in the Himalayas or up in the mountains in China where they're on like a one lane goatee, you know, oh, major yeah. dirt road. Right. And they're hugging the wall. While a tr a bus comes the other direction. Oh, I mean, I've been on those, but the the Jeez. good fortune of being on those is that I'm not on the other side looking at where I am. Like, <laughs> mm. I have no concept. When you're on those roads, you know you're kind of high, but you don't know how high you are. <laughs> so, like in Colombia, in um, in Nepal, mm -hmm. there are plenty of places where I'm sure I was. In Bhutan, I mean, I'm at the top of a mountain <laughs> and I've got this tiny, like, 10 foot wide path that I'm sharing with uh, cars uh, going my direction as well as mm. the opposite direction. And I'm pretty sure there is probably something that would have freaked me out. But I just I couldn't take the time to see over the edge <laughs> to look over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would probably would scare me. I, I, yeah, but better I that know. I don't know. <laughs> The only other time I've the only time I've really ridden on something like that where it was on the cliff and pretty well to where I was actually scared for my life was when I rode uh we were going down one and we were riding into San Simeon and you know you're on the cliffs from from Carmel you're along you know the coast right yeah. so you're along the cliff line and because we were going south we were on the cliff side and it was dark and foggy and I couldn't mm -hmm. see very well. So we were going 20 miles an hour, probably slower. I was probably going 15 at that point because I just could not see past like 20 feet in front of me because the headlights I had, they were okay, but they weren't amazing. And it was so foggy. I remember one corner where I went a little too fast into it and I luckily wasn't going that fast. I mean, I was going you know, 18 or whatever, but it was just enough to where I, if I hadn't <laughs> turned just right, I would have gone over the cliff. And that ride was just terrifying because as soon as we got out of that, we pulled over onto the side of the road and I was like, I gotta, just gotta pull over for just a second to <laughs> get my to start breathing again. <laughs> yeah, it was really scary because it was dark. I mean, because I've ridden that, you know, before that I'd actually ridden up and down that part a couple times and been just mm -hmm. fine. But in the dark with fog, no thanks. It was Well, you know scary. what's also scary? It, it's not just scary that you can't see all the curves in yep. the road. What's scary is that if you can't see the curves in the road in front of you, someone probably can't even see that you're there in a car behind you. Oh, and they... that's equally, equally <laughs> scary. Well, luckily in this situation, they knew because they were pissed that we were going so slow. Because <laughs> after we pulled over, they were all like past us. But I didn't give a shit because I didn't, 
I'm not going to go faster just because you want me to go faster. I'm not going to die. Exactly. So I just didn't care because it was only like five miles. It wasn't very long, but it just felt like it took forever, right? Because it's twisty and then dark. And I never did that again. We never, ever, ever rode or rode in the dark um, uh, on a road like that. We've always, you know, after that, we're like, okay, we need to leave much earlier. When I stay in Carmel Valley, there's some fog in the morning and just, Mm -hmm. it seems every time I take that road, I see it differently or forget like some corners and yeah, it gets me just a little nervous if I can't see the full road where I'm going. Yeah, no, me too. I mean, that for me, that's what it was like also in West Virginia. I left late again. Leaving late sucks, everybody. Make sure you, if you're going to do a long day of riding. Leave early. Don't leave at 12. So I got to the mountain at dusk. And by the time I got to the kind of the twisty part, it was so black, like like being in a box and all you saw were stars. And it was scary. And mm. um, there were cars behind me. And I just went really slow and waved them all past me because I just didn't care about going 10 miles an hour. And it was, it was dark. I, uh, looking back, it was dumb. I should have just, I don't know. I should have just. Well, I wouldn't do that on the Triumph because I need to get a new headlight bulb. The headlight that comes stock is just pretty weak. Yeah. But uh, on the BMW, I had the twisted throttle Denali's and I could pretty much light up uh, and see for at least. 50 feet in front of me on those they were pretty ridiculous happily with the new owner now i kind of miss the extra the lights but uh you know gotta gotta farkle up on the bonneville now that she's my only ride hope she's got enough uh output there to power a nice bright headlight yeah yeah we'll see about that i want to upgrade my bulbs too they're they're okay but i really want to put in some nice bright um, maybe HIDs or I don't know, just something brighter than what's there. It'd be nice mm-hmm. to have a little bit bigger path, you know, maybe add yeah. fog lights or something, just something to give better night riding visibility. Well, would be check out, check out Twisted Throttle. They might have something. I oh, they what do. They have for sport bike. Yeah, they do. I, I actually want to get these Denali lights. Um, they're well, just the Denali's are what universal. I had. Yeah. On the, on the BMW. Yeah. I just, the way that we tapped into the wiring, I just didn't remove them before I sold them. Just decided to sell the bike with the lights. Oh, good for them. Yeah, I want to add, add something like that. Would be really nice. What else on our random list of things? Let's see. Oh, just for fun, everybody, go to O'ReillyAuto.com. You know, O'Reilly Auto Parts and put in part 121G. Just for fun. <laughs> See what comes up. Um, oh, where's my list? So I do want to throw out a couple of events coming up that I'm going to be participating in. Well, I guess one big event, and it's the Women's Sport Bike Rally. I've talked about it before. I know I brought it up last year. I went two years ago. I'm going again this year. I'm going to go to the East Rally. That's at Deals Gap at the foot of the Dragon. Um, specifically Fontana Village, which is the town right before the Deals Gap, uh, you know, little spot. So it's right by the dam. So the East Rally will be September 8th to the 10th. The, uh, oh, the sorry, the West Rally is July. I really should know these dates. It's July. <laughs> um, I want to say 14 to 16. Is that right? Oh. Crap, I uh, said I was going to speak at that. <laughs> you should, yes. July, see, you can come here I need you speak. To, you just reminded July. me. Brittany asked me to write a, uh, a well, paragraph about a class. I'm sure we, she or I will be in touch to bug you because um, I've also signed on to be the marketing director for the rally for East and West. So we'll be... I'll be hoping, helping promote and, and share this awesome event. So if you ride a sport bike or you are interested in sport bikes, this rally isn't about you have to have a sport bike to come. That's not what the rally is about. 
It's about women who like sport bikes. It's about women who ride them. It's about women who want to ride them. And say you, maybe you drive, maybe you have a Bonneville and you would love to look at the options or the possibilities of riding a sport bike. And you want to talk to some women who do, and you want to see what they ride and ask them all about their experiences on their sport bikes and find out what, what to expect if you do transition. This is a great way to do it. Where else can you go to one place and have 50, 100, 150 women on sport bikes and be able to ask them all these questions and hear different experiences? So it you don't have to ride a sport bike to come to this rally. Of course, a lot of the information, the kind of technical info, a lot of the skills classes and content will be centered toward more sport bike riding. But like Christy, she's probably going to come and talk about long distance travel. And it doesn't matter really what you ride. That applies to everybody. Um, yeah. I will uh, probably not be riding a sport bike unless I, <laughs> unless someone loans me something for the weekend. And I definitely don't own one. But, you know, if you want to go out and hang out with a bunch of cool gals who yep. ride motorcycles in yep. one place, then, uh, you know, yep. Yep. check yep. out yep. Big Bear in the summertime. And Brittany and I, we have done a lot of long distance riding on our sport bikes. And we'll be there mm-hmm. to throw you some tips and information and you can ask other girls like maybe there's a bike you've been wanting to buy like you want to buy a cb 500 and you want to know what's it like to tour on that thing and ride long distance well someone's probably going to be there on that bike and you can talk to her all about it Uh, make new friends you know meet other women who ride so the west coast rallies at big bear in southern california i honestly don't know really know where big bear is but mountains <laughs> somewhere in the mountains down there in the mountains <laughs> so if you're on the west coast check it out the website is women's sport bike rally.com and it's on facebook facebook.com slash women's sport bike rally if you have we should questions probably there's email get, there too Brittany was a past interview um mm-hmm. we should probably get her back on to talk about it talk we about will. the new role <clears throat> yeah uh, Brittany took over as director of the rally. She'd been attending for three to four, the last three to four years, and then of course supporting the event heavily for the past three to four years. Um, so yeah, I, absolutely, I'll, I'll I'll touch base with her. We'll definitely do that in the next. I would say the next month, we could probably sure. do that. So that's coming up. Other than that, and GP, those are my two big focuses for this year for events. Um, but if you nice. have events that you're excited about that you want other women to know about, please send us a, a note and we'll happily share it. September might be a quiet month for us then, uh, because of course that is my big four O. And so mm. I will be planning a trip somewhere. Where? Mm, <laughs> somewhere on the African continent. Very nice. Oh, that's exciting. Awesome. But uh, this this year thus far, uh, much like Joanne, it's the first time, I guess the last two trips are the first time I've traveled without a motorcycle in quite some time. And it's the first time I've traveled with someone else purposefully (laughs) and not on a motorcycle in like uh, 10 years, more than 10 years, actually. So, uh, yeah, it's been a been a trip i went to new orleans i think we discussed that already um for a bit and then i also just recently went to cuba i've always wanted to go been trying to plan the perfect motorcycle trip great segue uh, tell us more. <laughs> but uh and and elisa is leading a trip right now i believe mm-hmm. um but uh you know, saw someone and they convinced me, you know what, just uh, give up planning the perfect motorcycle adventure and just Mm -hmm. go, go while you have the opportunity, go while it's inexpensive, go before um, the opportunity passes and before things change drastically. So I grabbed a friend of mine who is uh, also works as a journalist. Um, Granted, his job is full time and he's in the automotive industry and, but he, he loves to smoke cigars, loves food just as much as I do. And so I thought, oh, what a perfect traveling companion. So we were on the quest to find uh, many awesome meals and were fueled by a couple of uh, no reservations, Bourdain episodes. And I think I've come to realize that just because it's featured on no reservations and Anthony Bourdain has a couple of, of wins 
doesn't mean that it's a foodie destination. Hmm. Um, I'd spent about 20 years going to a local Cuban uh, chain out here in Los Angeles called Versailles, specifically the one on Venice Boulevard. And I have loved that restaurant with such passion that I thought, man, if it's great here, imagine what it's like in Cuba. And I was a little bit uh, bummed to figure out that Versailles uh, Cuban cuisine is actually better than some of the stuff I had in Cuba. Havana is not a foodie destination uh, by far, um, but there are plenty of things to love about Cuba. Um, while it still retains its innocence without any kind of outside influence. So we kind of just putted around Havana and I saw plenty of motorcycles, plenty of MZ, plenty of Jawa, uh, quite a few Suzuki's. That was the most recognizable model. The police, oh, and Urals with sidecars. Hmm. The police ride Yamaha Viragos <laughs> of, of all the bikes to choose. Um, it was kind of interesting. Virago is quite an old model. I don't even know if they still produce that. Well, uh, I assume definitely right, not all the US. bikes you saw were older models, right? Like the Suzuki. They were older, but Suzuki could be imported from Japan. So mm. the import shouldn't mm. really be affected. Like MZ, Jialing, and all these Chinese knockoffs, all these imports were still in, you know, full swing. But, uh, yeah, it's probably the most obscure motorcycles I've seen other than a Ural, which I saw a guy taking passengers as, like, a, a taxi. Thought that might be cool, but, um, yeah, I didn't really travel with any gear. And based on uh, that whole situation, I, I didn't think it would be um, wise for me to embark upon that kind of adventure. But um, the tourist taxis in Havana look like Simpson helmets or the Bell Moto helmets, mm -hmm. the reboot of the Bell. And so it's mm -hmm. kind of wild that this motorcycle, uh, the front the front of this helmet taxi is a motorcycle and then the back is obviously two wheels. That's but so cool. The crazy picture, I will make sure that we use that as, uh, as our banner for this episode on our website. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the architecture is great. The the country is relatively safe uh, of all the places I've been to. This is one of few where if I actually wanted to set up a tripod, I would feel fine in doing so and walking away from my camera. I walked with my cannon out in the open and my phone in my back pocket some of the time. So you went felt solo, right? Um, no, I went with a friend. Oh, cool. So that was the first of two trips this year where I actually traveled with someone willingly and still had a good time. So it was uh, it was interesting. I, I honestly I haven't traveled with a man uh, since 2002. Yeah, they can be fun. So. Yeah, I mean, I have I, I have fun traveling with mine. It, it, the only reason we haven't traveled together off the bikes in the last few years is purely scheduling. Like, yeah, I I have to schedule way in advance. I have to actually plan things out, and he can't do that because he lives by his client needs. So it just always works out where the scheduling doesn't work, and he has to stay and work while I get to go mm -hmm. home or whatever. He would totally come with me, but. He just, yeah. most of the time, it's just the scheduling, you know. Yeah, you need some notice. He does not. Yeah, pretty so, much. So, yeah, I think, um, I think highlights were just being able to be in this place that I've been dreaming about visiting for a very long time. And that's kind of a blessing and a curse. It's, it's awesome to be able to appreciate this architecture and music and, and the people and the culture. But... At the same time, you kind of have so many, um, so many expectations from 20 years of lusting after visiting that you've built up this image of what you expect it to be, only to find out that it's not quite that way. And it's unfair for me to kind of do that. But, um, you know, it happens to the best of us. That's probably one of few places that I've wanted to go for a very long time. What so. kind of places did you stay at? 
I stayed primarily in like Airbnb arranged type mm-hmm. homestays. So mm-hmm. you're in someone's house in like a spare room. Yeah. And their typical salary there for like a doctor or an engineer is like 40 bucks a month. Wow. And the problem is that for 40 bucks a night, you can rent your room out. So yeah. a lot oh, of yeah. people were quitting their engineering and, and medical wow. professional jobs because, whoa, I can just rent a room out and make in a month, in a night what I make in a month. So there's a, a bit of an Sad. economic issue yeah, that they're I mean, having to deal with. That's crazy. Cause I would think that they need people like that. They need the doctors. They need the engineers. Yeah. Damn. I don't, I don't really know a lot about the way the economy works in, yeah. a, in a communist country. So I will crazy. refrain from speaking with authority <laughs> other than to say that, you know, 40 bucks a month is about the standard income. Mm. So cool. So you pretty much Airbnb it the whole time. Yeah. And I mean, uh, two bed place, a two bed of, you know, apartment or whatever, um, in a, in another house was, um, 35 bucks a night. And then, uh, we hmm. sprung wow. for something a little nicer, which was, I think closer to 50 or 60 bucks a night at the end of the trip. And we got a loft that was on top of a building and we had access to the roof. So we were able to kind of look at the city from a a high point and so that was kind of nice nice place to have a drink and smoke a cigar so this was you but you booked these through airbnb.com i did cool that's awesome well that's how i got my motor gp room good old airbnb thanks a lot for saving us some money (laughs) i looked at hotels for gp2 and they were like 30 percent more it was just a little less expensive. Not surprised. And, yeah, just as convenient to get in. And, and the hotels in Cuba are so few and far between. They're yeah. like three. They're three hundred dollars a night. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, uh, it's a little bit out of my price range. Wow. How many I days mean, did you go? I was there for a week, and I, oh. um, I, uh, the flight was three hundred and fifty bucks round trip and nonstop from LA. Yeah, that's, that's why I went. <laughs> wow. When my friend said, look, you need to abandon your perfect idea of planning a motorcycle trip and just go now to uh, to experience it and maybe make some contacts. So um, that's pretty much what I did. 350 for the flight, 100 bucks of more or less for the visa. And you're looking at like 35 bucks a day for a hotel or hotel in quotes, air quotes, place to sleep. So what kind of things did you do besides looking for tasty foods? Um, Just kind of wandered the city and uh, went to a couple of parks and museums. Um, There was a contemporary art museum. Really? uh, Bellas Artis. And that was uh, really awesome. Actually, it wasn't a contemporary art museum. Contemporary art was what I liked at it. But the uh, National Art Museum has mostly local uh from cuba artists and it runs the gamut from like portraiture from like the colonial period all the way up to uh, modern art and so of course the the contemporary stuff is what i liked the most but that was a really fun museum to wander through for a couple of hours cool anything else exciting that you saw there uh the beach hmm. my white legs saw some sun for a day that was nice <laughs> i blended in with the sand (laughs) how do you think the people received you as american tourists like do you think they were were they excited were they like hey check out our city you know um you know the gal at the homestay was a good barometer for um for people because there were uh, obviously the taxi drivers are always crying out your name and funny enough travel with a guy who was Japanese and walk down a street and every single cab driver within like a hundred foot radius would be saying, need a taxi, need a taxi, but we're clearly walking with a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. If you remove the Japanese guy and it's just me walking down the street, I don't get the same uh, comments. 
So either I blend what? in more or they just don't bother me. But uh, yeah, my friend is Japanese and clearly Japanese. And so when we walk, everyone accosts us for taxis. But when I walk by myself, nothing. <laughs> well, so it was interesting what hmm. he adds to the mix. <laughs> but... Because he stands out as an obvious tourist. Because <laughs> yeah. there certainly yeah. are Caucasian, you know, Cubans, right? And Hispanic folks. So... I bet you did look like you were just not a local. I would say not as many. Like you can go to Mexico City and see blonde and blue eyes and parts of Spain mm. and see blonde and blue eyes. But mm -hmm. you don't see, I think, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of really fair skinned people in Cuba. So uh, hmm. I probably still stood out a little bit, but um, with sunglasses on. And of course, when I open my mouth, <laughs> the, the accent is uh, is hmm. clearly very, very white. <laughs> but um, hmm. I think my best gauge of of being received was my uh, the gal at our homestay. And when I got there and I was speaking to her in Spanish, obviously by default, she said that she was so excited that I spoke Spanish because there was a woman uh, from the U.S. with her 16-year-old daughter, and yeah. she didn't speak any Spanish at all. Oh. And this woman was like, I'm not allowed to travel uh, internationally. I'm not allowed to leave Cuba. So the way that I experience the world is by the world coming to me. Oh. And if you come and you can't speak Spanish, you know, yeah. she knew a little, little bit of English, but if you yeah. come to her and stay there and you can't speak Spanish, she can't experience the rest of the world. So she was Aww. very excited to That's be able cool. to communicate with me and was telling me, you know, that, that of the three things that you can count on in Cuba, you get an education through college, you, um, you have security. There's a, a certain degree of security in Havana that, you know, despite some of the crazy locks that they had on doors and all of the security doors, you can pretty much walk down the street without being accosted or have concerns over um, being, you know, in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I don't, I think maybe just once out of seven days and I wore dresses like every day. Mm -hmm. I think maybe once someone whistled and they might not have even been whistling at me. Like I didn't, not a single guy leered, looked at me funny, looked at me sideways, made me feel uncomfortable. And I mean, that's, that's something that I experience in the U.S. as well as every other country that I travel to. So it was really, it was interesting to go there and to, you know, kind of like not have that happen. And I, I couldn't help but wonder whether or not it had anything to do with the fact there's no pornography allowed in the country. Hmm. And when you look at all of their marketing, if there is anything, the only brand is the national brand. So hmm. when you're talking about like alcohol, when you're talking about, you know, I don't think they'd advertise bikes, but just in advertisements, that's always the product. There's never a woman wearing a bikini draped over something hmm. to try to make this brand better huh. to purchase. So their, um, I think their their view of women is substantially different than the rest cool. of the Western world, let alone you know most of it. So I I tend to think that women are a little bit more confident, but um, I didn't hmm. really get a chance to explore that whole concepts when I was there because there wasn't a lot of internet and which you know also factors into the fact that they're not exposed to the way the rest of the world is other than the tourists and the people that visit oh. so I couldn't look up vocabulary my Spanish is not too shabby but at the same time when you want to say something so specific, you didn't have any phone service I did have phone service and some limited data but it was mm. like 2g and very mm. slow and very expensive like i think two bucks uh two bucks a megabyte wow so i i limited my my searching but mm. what would have been awesome is a spanish dictionary because a lot of the vocabulary Oops. i was missing <laughs> oh you just reminded me of the like ireland tour book i bought a few months ago because i really wanted to go to ireland this year i think i'm gonna have to reboot that idea i love the idea of going over going overseas to travel right now Sounds awesome.
Wow, so, Air might have some cheap, super cheap flights. It's not the most comfortable airline, but mm-hmm. they're based out of Iceland and they huh? tend to have some inexpensive stuff abroad. I don't know if they fly out of Philly. Mm, I'm sure you can find but something. You can find like a $200 round trip uh, to Iceland from LA. Hmm. We'll see. But yeah, I, I really wanted to go outside the country this year to travel, just to go travel because it's been three year, four years since I left the country and I feel like every five years I just want to get out and see something outside of this world. You yeah. know, check out some different scenery and stuff. So I think I'm going to have to re-explore that. I just loved Ireland the short time I did get to go. Mm-hmm. Well, Cuba sounds amazing. So uh, if anyone's interested in traveling to Cuba, either on or off bike, I'd say share, please share this episode with someone and they'll pick up some really cool tips and insights about traveling there right now and what definitely. To follow uh follow motorific media on instagram so that's m-o and then terrific media because i have been sharing photos and thoughts Mm. from my trip um consistently on there even though i'm back so you can have some additional visual aids there you go um i thought just for random fun i thought i would throw some questions out that I'm just seeing on the uh, Reddit motorcycle forum and you and I can kind of toss them back and forth. How's that sound? Cool. Okay. So here's one post. Uh, Wondering how many of you leave your helmet on your bike when it's parked in town and how many carry it with you around town. So what do you do with your bike if you're, if you have it with you and you're around town, you're not traveling necessarily, but maybe you're out and about in LA. Um, it all depends. Sometimes when I ride with the guys at night and they all leave their helmets out, I will leave my helmet on the, uh, on the mirror. So I don't actually sit it on the seat because I'm too afraid it's going to fall off, mm-hmm. but I will, uh, run the mirror through the visor. If we're like at a bar where there's a bouncer and someone out front and there's like a presence. Otherwise this afternoon when I was riding in Ojai, I brought it in with me every time. I try to bring it, I pretty much bring my bike with me every time, unless my exceptions are like, I'm at the Wawa and we're just, I go in for a minute to go to the bathroom. Then yeah, I'll leave it outside. If I'm going to dinner or like lunch and we're going to go into a restaurant, I bring her with me and just put Mm -hmm. it under my chair because I really like that helmet and I do not want to have to replace a $350 or $500 helmet. I always recommend if you have an expensive helmet, bring it in with mm-hmm. you and there's always somewhere to put it. Yeah. You know, usually somewhere. Um, let's see. Or if you get oh. a cable lock, mm-hmm. you can uh, easily lock it through um, the bars or another part of your motorcycle. Yeah. If you do want to leave your motorcycle helmet out, at least get a lock, a good lock for it. So you have something to secure it to. P- never leave it on the ground. Don't. Don't loop your chain, your bike lock through your helmet on the ground. I'd say that's not a good place. Um, Well, I wouldn't do that because I wouldn't want something crawling in it. That too, (laughs) right? Yeah. I'd say just generally your helmet wants to be off the ground. And uh, I would never leave your helmet overnight either outside in the elements. That's never good. I have the benefit of a very long cable lock. So Mm -hmm. it has like a, a little lock mechanism and then at least five like i think it has five feet so i can run that through my helmet i can run that through the bike handlebars and i can run that through a jacket and i run it through the arms and then loop it back together and i can almost leave uh, everything but my shoes depending on what footwear um with the motorcycle so I've done that as well, provided I don't have my wallet still in my jacket. <laughs> provided my jacket is in my purse. I generally just bring all my crap with me. I I am too attached to my closet because now three quarters of my closet is old Revit that I can't replace. I can't just go out and buy a new one because it's 10 years old or eight years old. And I'll probably never find it again. So now I everything just comes with me because I don't want to. 
can't replace a red leather jacket. Well, I'm going to get another one of those. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, do a lock. If you do want to keep your stuff out, there's plenty of gear specific locks too. So they actually do make locks that are meant for your helmet or meant for your jacket specifically. You don't have, we're not talking about like bike specific locks, but actually there are gear ones. If you visit Revzilla or that? whatever. I was just about to say, they yeah. sell that in Revzilla. There's one called, I want to say it's called Lock It. I can't remember. It looks like a giant um, tie down almost, but it has a cool little lock on the end. So it's easy to cool. yeah, loop through your clothes. Um, here's another one. What is your opinion of the Honda CB500F? I'm looking at getting a 2016 CB500F to upgrade from an old CBR125. I commute I ooh, to mostly ride as a commute and for nice winding roads along the ocean and an occasional jump on a highway. Seems like they're a solid bike and they have them on sale with low financing at my local shop. So it seems like a good go. What are your thoughts? Isn't the 500F uh, the same one where they've been kidding them out with rally? Uh, it's an upright, right? It's the touring, street. yeah, it's the more touring one with, um, oh, wait, the F is the naked one. So they took off the windscreen. So it looks like a, like a smaller street triple, that style. Naked bike, upright bars, you know, little headlight in front. The What's the X? One, is there an X too? That's the one that's more dual sport adventure okay. that's oriented. the rally kit one. The I one think, where they sell at rally. Yes, I think that's the X. Uh, let me just look on their website. But the F is the naked uh, sport bike. I'd say, yeah, from a 125, that's a really great option. Um, why not? The CB500 Impressed is that also... There are people out there that are willing to evaluate from a 125 and go up to a 500. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> so seldom we hear something that aligns with what our recommendations are, which is probably to start out with something along lines of a 200 or a 250 and then yeah. go up to a 500. But, I mean, if you're, what do you do when you're six foot tall and you have a 33, four inch inseam? It's really hard yeah. to ride something that little. Um, yes, the X is the adventure style one. It's got the windscreen. The bars are higher. It's got the cute little pattern on the side, so it looks very adventure-y. Um, and the uh, F is the naked sporty one. And, of course, they have the super sporty one, right? The, uh, I want to say the R. I can't remember. I cannot keep track of all these letters. But uh, anything, I think, in the CB500 style is cool. Why not? Reliable. reliable. I think if you're, if you're really tall and you're looking for something where your, your, your feet and your knees aren't touching the ground when you yeah. sit on it, yeah. I would almost say look for those 500 dual sports because the off-road mm -hmm. motorcycles are going to have a higher ground clearance. Yeah, yeah. So at least you've got that high for you if you're... Oh, I'm losing your audio. Oh. Sorry, friends. Our internet connection seems to be losing. Sorry, say that again. I was going to say the problem is if you're heavy set and you're tall, mm -hmm. that uh, a, a dual sport might not be like, it might look awkward if it's a very narrow bike supporting you. So you might need to uh, to get something a little bit bigger, like a like a five or yes. six hundred yeah yeah very true um yeah the f for the x i'd say whatever style you want to you know pursue why not it's a really nice bike probably easy to maintain you probably just take it in every few thousand miles for an oil change or you do it yourself for 20 bucks i bet the it. maintenance that's it maybe you know check your chain every once in a while lube it up and you're good to go um, can't go wrong. If I can't go wrong with anything in the Honda side or Suzuki or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ask me how I know. <laughs> um, let me see what else is on here. Everyone's posting photos of, of riding. They're like, Oh, well, there's a break in the weather. So I went for a ride. Like right now we're experiencing a cold, like the last two last week, it's been the thirties cause it snowed last Tuesday yeah. already freaked out but but two weeks ago it was like 55 it's i do up. find it 
kind of ironic in the, I don't believe in global warming, yet it was 87 in L.A. the same time you guys were getting, like, the great snowmageddon of, like, 2017. Yeah, it was a sad they canceled. They canceled what, like... 700 flights or a thousand flights going into New York because it was just ridiculous last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, we, oh, we had a snow day, so I didn't have to work. That was fun. Um, (laughs) But it was a much, much lighter snow, uh, snowfall than it was three years ago when we first moved here. It was snow every week. And that was, that was when the snow days were really necessary. But this was really just, I don't know. I think it was just to, give people a break on trying to commute in um on the freeways not so much because of the city but it's kind of funny when you have a snow day statewide for adults (laughs) do you guys like uh go outside and drink hot cocoa and watch the kids play in the street or throw snowballs at each other no that we did see kids make snowmen in our park across the street it was very (laughs) cute we just i just stayed in and like binge watched some netflix it was awesome yeah I slept late. it was great <laughs> i would do that as well it was fantastic um, except i'd probably make something i'd probably <laughs> spike my hot cocoa while watching stuff on netflix no was not spiking things but just enjoyed you know netflixing mm-hmm. um i did write a little summer glove post on my blog so check that out if you're looking for some options for summer gloves I just posted my favorites so like five I think five or six different women's gloves that I really like for summer that I would highly recommend to purchase if you're looking did for you, gloves did you call the post summer gloven because if you didn't you should go back and change it <laughs> no but I probably should have no, you need to go back I and didn't. change it <laughs> summer gloven I already probably should. I think I will go back. You probably saw me post it a few days ago. So check that out if you're looking for gloves. Um, And of course, all the women's ones I posted, there aren't the same version for men and probably three more just like it. So check it out, whether you're a man or a woman. And then uh, this last couple weeks, I also did a couple of YouTube um, live streams. I'm still working on the kind of the technology for that and the video setup, but I'm going to do another live stream tomorrow. I'm going to do a Q&A about helmets. So we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, helmet sizing when your head is really small. So if you're an extra small or small or even a double extra small, my, I'm going to throw you some ideas on what uh, styles to try. I'm also going to talk a little bit about what I've seen in doing this for 10 years, some of the patterns that I've seen when uh, it comes to fitting a female customer versus a male customer and some of the fit nuances that you want to think about if you're trying to helmet shop, especially if you have never had the fortunate experience to be fitted or sized by someone who really knows what they're talking about because not everybody understands how to fit you. I'd say their best experiences tend to be at your BMW dealers, your European dealers. That's where a lot of more time and attention, I think, are to training their salespeople and apparel people on how to fit helmets properly, especially if they sell awry and showy and shoe berth, anything in the high-end side. So I'm going to talk about how to find the best fit and and just talk a little bit about um you know, fitting men versus women, and then answer some very specific helmet questions I already have. So uh, if you want to send a question, post one on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash gearchick, or send me an email through my website, and I will absolutely uh, answer that for you. We're going to have to post this really quick if you want somebody to catch it tomorrow. <laughs> I know, it's quick. Um, still, post anything. I mean, send any questions you want answered, and I will do it the next week. So my goal is to do these every Monday night. Uh, my next one is tomorrow night at 8 p.m. East. But even if you're not there to watch it live, it will always go up on YouTube. So you can watch it the next day and then post a comment or ask a question. So check that out when you have a chance. The link is on my blog. So take a look when you have a minute. Um, ooh, here's a good one. What are your thoughts on Chinese motorcycles? I am currently looking for a 125 cc and came across a Luxon Enduro 125. It's available as a supermoto. 
what strikes me is the very low price for this person they're in Europe. So 2,000 euro instead of 4,600 euro for a Yamaha WR125R. Are Chinese wow. bikes any good or do they break down quickly? Um, <laughs> if I buy it new, I'd get a two-year warranty. My thought on anything Chinese like uh, motorcycles or scooter scooters that are manufactured by a Chinese brand. So we're not talking about, I'm not talking about motorcycles that are made in China necessarily um, because I... Honestly, I don't know, but I would think there are a couple of pretty reliable brands that do manufacture in China. Um, the only thing I can think of in that regard would be um, scooters. When I sold Kimco's, there were a few lines, a few of their less expensive product lines. They actually had factories in China, but Kimco is a Taiwanese brand. So the majority of their scooters were manufactured in Taiwan, especially the more expensive ones. But when you are looking at Chinese brands specifically that are selling to you direct, they very likely don't have a proper dealer network. Um, there are brands being imported. Like I thought CSC motorcycles were, right? But yeah. they actually support the products from uh, California. They're a legitimate company. They actually sell a really great little 250. Uh, that's about three grand, 32 to 35. Right. Less than yeah. 5,000. They even deliver. So that's a very, I think, unique um, company that's actually offering a really good product and supporting it. Because if you Google, you can find really cheap Chinese scooters, for example, that will import directly. But you're not going to be able to take that to your local scooter dealership and get service. Why? Because they don't have parts for your funky Chinese scooter or motorcycle. They have parts for Yamaha, Suzuki, um, you know, Triumph, Ducati. They have them for the brands that are supported. So you want to look at these brands and see how are you going to get parts? How are you going to maintain them? Mm. What is the history online? Do you, can you find anyone who's bought one and has had service intervals can you just buy a honda filter that's the unique thing about the csc bikes is they take i believe they take straightforward parts from honda and suzuki so you can just hmm. order yeah i think they take very common parts so you're not having to order these specialized uh, filters or specialized uh, parts um, so you can actually work on it yourself so that's, I'd say, a very different exception, but you want, I would look very closely. And that's a really like good that. point that you probably wouldn't even, I didn't think about it until you were going down that road, which is, <laughs> oh, sweet, two-year warranty. That sounds awesome. They'll back up their product. Oh, but where are they supporting this two-year warranty? Like, that isn't right. something that I would think of. What if I would yeah. just be like, can I extend that to like a six-year warranty? Because I'm pretty sure it's going to fall apart at two, at, at, but, at two years in one day. <laughs> but, but hell, even if you have a lifetime warranty, who yeah. cares if you can't even get that thing fixed? Like, do you have to For ship example, it back? KTM, when it first came to the U.S., it was pretty much similar where it was so hard to get parts. And oh. I don't know if things have changed substantially, but oh, uh, yeah. there have been a lot of people who have complained in, in yeah. Southern California about getting a proper KTM. And I think that's now with the better dealership network uh, yeah. changed change for the better but a real dealer network so you can go to your ktm yeah. dealer and order the parts sure aprilia was like that before they were acquired by piaggio you had to wait i remember we had to rebuild our scooter engine and that was in 2003 we had to wait two months for the parts to come in from italy <laughs> uh yeah because they didn't have distribution here so you want to look at these brands and just see where are they coming from what am i going to do if this thing breaks are the parts universal? Are the pieces? I would just be really wary because, yeah, of course you're going to pay 4,600 euro for Yamaha WR125R. You're getting, <laughs> getting the Yamaha thing, support. The thing that blows my mind is 2,000 euro is like on the order of 2,400 US. Mm -hmm. They must not. I wonder how their used bikes are because a 125, like I could easily, even in a competitive market like LA, I could easily find something in a 125 or a 250 for under two thousand dollars. So I wonder what their yeah. used used motorcycles. Like I wonder what it's like to buy one in Europe because that seems like that seems really well, expensive to me. I would think also there because they have tiered licensing. 
They、mm. have their options are a little bit different. If you're if you've lived in Europe and you've bought motorcycles there, then please add a comment and chime in here. But I, I would think that the tiered licensing affects that to a degree. It certainly dictates what options you do get, right? Because there's、mm. a ton of 125s, there's a ton of 250s, and so on to between the levels. So I, I don't know. Maybe their used market isn't great because the demands may be high. I hear it's、yeah. expensive to get your license. Like in the UK, for example, to go through the training or obtain,、yeah. right? Isn't that a pretty? I thought it was a pretty pricey enterprise. It's not. It's not like here, where you can pay thirty bucks and take a test and then get your license. I mean, at least in PA, it's only thirty dollars to register your motorcycle. Oh like, yeah, it's more expensive here. It's like twenty bucks to apply and for a annually. license. Yes. Here it's annually. Here it is. Are in really okay? Because <laughs> some of those countries back east. You send in your tags, and then ten years later, you get like your tag renewal. <laughs> you get this ridiculous long no. registration. <laughs> I got actually. I just renewed for two years. They let me pay for two years, so it was forty dollars、oh. instead of twenty.、Uh, there's no、wow. taxes attached to registration here, which they should do because then they would get more revenues. But、um, that's okay. They gouge me for taxes in other ways.、Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's cheaper to register, but there's. Still do it every year, so yeah. If you're looking at a Chinese motorcycle or scooter, Google, do your homework, see what they're gonna do for you, and make sure your local mechanic can help you out. That's actually shit. If I were you, I would ask your local mechanic, "Hey, I want to buy this motorcycle. Is this something that you could work on for me? And and do you know anything that that might be a really good resource?" So there's some fun, I don't know, motorcycle questions. Again, these questions I pulled from Reddit.com/slash/motorcycles. Just a mishmash of questions in that in that form. Um, I think the last thing we have, I I think we talked a little bit about it in the beginning of our recording, was this awesome video from Lyndon Poskett, who's a Dakar rally racer. Is he a podium? Has he podiumed as well? That I don't know.、Uh, he probably has, right? He's probably one of those guys.、Um, you might have seen this going on Facebook, but he is riding solo in Argentina. How fun! And he finds these two little puppies on the side of the road somewhere in the middle in, of nowhere. In the middle of no nowhere towns. in Argentina. Yep, no towns, nothing for、like、no kilometers. Nope. So he decides to pick them up, and they're probably like ten pounds each. Like they're fluffy little mountainy dogs, like collies or something like that. And there's two of them, so he takes both. He puts them on his bike. I presume he's got a GS or a KTM, a 990 or something. Just looking at the style, I don't know something in the adventure style.、And、he's got he's, a rally bike, so if he has a proper a rally bike, yeah. If he has a proper rally bike, it's under 500 cc. He's probably got a Honda or a or a KTM.、Yeah. Um, And he decides to rescue these puppies, and he rides them into the next town, a hundred kilometers away. Oh, he was second place at、uh, the 2017 Dakar Rally.、Nice. Um, he rescues them and takes them to a local village and finds them a home. It's adorable. <laughs> He's filming, riding, and petting these these dogs. <laughs> On this, on this guest, he's got some awesome balancing act skills. Well, to be able to talk into a camera, to hold、right? a camera, to have the dogs kind of stare at the camera and think,、right? isn't that hand supposed to be on a handlebar? <laughs> one is, <laughs> one yeah, is. and the、one. puppies are just sitting there like, oh, what are you? Why are you filming it? They're so cute! Oh my god. <laughs> oh, one looks up at him like, "What are you? Where are you taking us?" It's the sweetest thing. It's just one of those like feel-good videos you watch and you go, "Oh, it's just so sweet." <laughs> I just thought it was awesome. I'll take a look when you have. If you're feeling down, watch it. It'll just make you smile. <laughs> yeah, nothing like a Dakar rider with some puppies to brighten your day. <laughs> know, right? Oh, so cute. I think you just won the hearts of women all over. <laughs> Hundred ten thousand too. Hundred ten thousand views, by the way. Wow. Hundred ten thousand views is pretty good for、uh, a Dakar rider. <laughs> It is, but he is not only a Dakar rider, but he apparently is an amazing photographer and videographer because he's out there by <laughs> yeah, himself. Yeah, as we've learned. 
just mm-hmm. peruse his Facebook page. We'll post a link. And there are some amazing shots he's getting of himself. He's alone. He is not with a crew. He doesn't have mm-hmm. like a, a van behind him. This man is by himself in the middle of nowhere taking awesome photos. I wish I could. Yeah attempt that Um, i can't take a still photo with my own camera (laughs) but this guy can pull off uh crossing a dune and kicking up a wash of sand in the air (laughs) with the tripod so kudos to you sir yeah i'm gonna have to up my game here on our next trip i'm Um, feeling largely (laughs) inadequate after looking at his page oh to be fair come on he's a dakar rally podium champion sure but you don't expect him to be a great photographer i'm not talking about i'm not talking about his motorcycle skills i'm talking about his photography skills very true no very very true yeah he's very talented and uh, easy on the eyes yeah. So thanks for that awesome video, Lyndon Poskett. Good luck in Argentina there, buddy. Looking forward to your next animal rescue video. <laughs> it's going to be, I hope, I can't wait to see what you rescue next because they were so cute. I bet there's should, probably tons of random dogs out there. Should I cruise the comment section for your oh, yes. contribution? Yeah, 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 yeah. More animal rescue videos. Thank you. Yes. Actually, I should. Okay, I'll add a comment. There are some fun comments to this video. Um, I'm going to add some that. We can't, That's a good one. Some we can't repeat in G in, in, in G rated uh, format well, that we're recording in. There's someone else who did something similar in Croatia and they adopted a sick puppy and they were uh-huh. able to bring their dog um, back to their home country. Oh, see, motorcycles are good people. We're, we're great people. We love dogs. We love motorcycles. We're awesome. i would say most motorcyclists are dog people i feel like dog or animal people anyway um i'm a dog person unless the dogs are chasing my motorcycle and then not so much oh i still dude remember that one who tried to bite evan he like ran up to him and then he got his teeth on him just as like a warning and then he ran away yeah, the the dogs I was riding with uh, tried to knock me over, so Aww. that that wasn't a warm and fuzzy uh, moment. We'll give them a pass. We'll give them a pass for that one. Yeah. Well, that's all I got, lady. Uh, that's all. Thank I've got you, as well. friends. We uh, we always appreciate your support. Please visit us at facebook.com/slash/motorificpodcast. Find us on the Instagrams as Motorific Media and Gear Chick. And check out the website, motorific.com. Send us emails, post comments. We love to hear from you. Let us know what's going on out there. We love to share it. Uh, catch up on old shows on iTunes if you haven't been listening. Hopefully we will see you back uh, the first weekend in April. I'm, I should be around, so I think in a couple weeks we should be back together for uh, 93. Is that right? Yeah. Can't keep track. Um, and in the meantime, we hope you ride safely, and hopefully you're having amazing weather. And we'll see you in the spring. Oh, right? Because by the time we record again, isn't it officially spring? Yeah, Equinox is what, the 21st, 20th? Something like that. So it'll be officially spring when we get back for the next episode. That'll be a great, I think a really great uh, start to that. So have I a bet you, jo- based on Joanne's excitement for turning spring, I bet you when we record next in the spring, there's going to be just a hellacious snowstorm in Philly. <laughs> there better not. Better not be. <laughs> I, Prediction. Oh, we've had such a dry, warm winter up until this month. It's been warm and dry and amazing. This has been a, I guess this is our winter, but it's actually warming up this week. Even tomorrow, it's supposed to be 50. So 50 is the new 70. So we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening. <laughs>